0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast presented by KFC. I'm your host, William Liu of Yahoo Sports Canada, and on this week's episode, I have Blake Murphy of The Athletic.
2: I thought you were introducing me as Extra Crispy, Blake Murphy.
1: <laughs> if you want to, go ahead. I'm, I'm sure KFC would be loved, would, would be thrilled to uh, to have that plug.
2: The issue, though, as we're going to find out on January 19th, is that no buckets here.
1: Wow. Wow, I was going to say, yeah. That was, that was something I was saving to the end, but we can just get to it now. Uh, did you see that clip yesterday from the Kings-Warriors game? Yes, where they missed like eight layups in a row. Where
2: it's the version when the year we did the Raptors Republic tournament as a five on five instead of a three on three, <laughs> and the finals were played full court. That
1: that doesn't sound good.
2: Man. The fitness is not there to play. The only full year court my game. team won. Wait, actually, yeah, wow. we we did it cool that year. It was like way more expensive, wow. but we got like group tickets to a game too. So we played on the Raptors practice facility and then what? like went as a game as a group to a game. Was sp- that was that upstairs in Scotiabank? Or- yeah, wow. yeah. No dunks. Put a team in. Formerly the starters. Yeah, that's, that's, At that time, they may even have been Basketball Jones still. Uh, Basketball Jones forever. Knocked him off in the semis. What? No big deal.
1: Wow. Well, no uh, game winner. No buzz, buzzer beating game winner from uh, Lee Ellis. No,
2: not that time. Like
1: in the finals. Um,
2: All of those guys are significantly better than me, though. Yeah, who's on your me team and Ta- this year? Me and Task can hang. But. Really? Task plays similarly to, to me. Okay. he's, he's Just low. a lot of hustle. Smart plays. That's most of the bloggers. Yeah. Uh, wh- who's on your team this year? This year? Yeah. Uh, my roommate, Steve.
1: Okay. Uh, you, could, you could. I mean, he's not just your roommate; he's also quite popular. Yeah. So is he guitar- playing at Coachella. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, the guitarist to Pup. for Pup. Yeah.
2: Uh, Steve Sladkowski is on my team. Uh, a guy named Jeremy Shaolin Ryu who directs all their music videos. Okay. He's a smaller guy. Reynolds has played with him before. Apparently, he's quite good. Okay. I play with him. Uh-huh. and then my my boy Trev, who plays on my team every year, the like big like six foot five ball handler guy who right. his back is in too poor condition to rebound, which all is right. great because I get to play noted. center
1: noted. Oh, let's sneak in one of those uh, Kyle Lowry moments. Oh yeah,
2: I'm drawing a charge. If we, if you and I come face to face, I'm definitely drawing a charge. Oh you. man,
1: we're both drawing. We're both flopping at the same time, like Chris Paul and uh, yeah. who was it, Demarcus Cousins or whoever. Yeah. It's <laughs> gonna be
2: like this is a reference you won't get. But in old wrestling video games, if both people press the run button at the same time, they'd run into each other and just like flop backwards and stare each other down. That's exactly what it's gonna look like. All right. Well, I don't was, think we can play each other till the second round though, the way I have the bracket set up. Alright. Because well, there's two blogger divisions this year.
1: That's fair. I would also want to avoid uh Assad and you know, just a Who couple of else is on your team?
2: Sahal's on the team? Oh wow.
1: Yeah, we're not really sure if Sahal's gonna be good. Uh, he
2: can at least do the sideline commentary in his Stephen A voice. Yeah, he's
1: just gonna fucking roast everybody yeah. on the sideline and then
3: uh,
2: He's just there to film Assad in case Assad gets the one highlight he got on me over the course of five <laughs> tournaments and never stops
1: talking
3: <laughs> about Okay,
2: him All right. I was there. It was more than one highlight.
3: There no, I didn't guard
2: him. It was a pick-and-pop pick three. A it was of, a
1: clutch bucket. It's a couple of buckets. Yeah, I mean, he really scored all our fucking points in that experience.
2: Yeah, I don't think... I didn't guard him that much. I mostly guarded you. Yeah. yeah. What's the point? Our talents are wasted on each other. Yeah. Just both keeping yeah. ourselves to zero. Yeah, I'm just trying to draw all those fouls on you so I can get breathers at that point at that point in the day. Jeez. Well, I'm a... Sorry, I know you were about no, the transition really. to Real Talk, but the... I get in at, like, 5 in the morning the night before that tournament that wow. starts at 9 a.m. So you're really P.J.
1: Tucker. Yeah. You're really the white no, P.J. Tucker.
2: No sleep. I'm going to try to sleep on that bus, but I can't usually sleep on buses and planes. So wow. coming off that trip, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll pick something up on the trip, though.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe. maybe there you go. Maybe uh,
2: Charles Kissy can get my jumper going. Uh, wow. <laughs> what a plug for Charles Kissy. Wow. He uh, was uh, he was talking a lot of smack to Stanley Johnson in the pregame warm-ups last night. What was he saying? He was like like so Stanley was doing the drill where you, know, you come in in semi transition, you have to either pull up or yeah. drive, yep. and Kissy is like in his grill screaming against the best defender alive, against the best <laughs> oh, defender alive. <laughs> so really so he's nine hundred five Jamal McGlore? I guess. I mean, it looks like Joel Anthony's gonna be nine hundred five Jamal McGlory. He's at every game. Yeah, that's get true. him a jersey, man. They could use the center depth. Wow, you saw the game last night, your first of the year. I
1: did. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about the 905. You know what? Let's just talk about the 905. We, we have a couple of things we can talk about. Um, which, by the way, if, if you missed it earlier, the context is that me and Blake are both playing in the Raptors Republic three on three tournament that's happening at the Matami uh, Athletic Center Arena. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, at Ryerson on January 19th. I, I mean, I don't know what's the point of. Saying this? I don't like people can come in and watch.
2: I mean they probably could. You could just walk off the street and poke your head in, but it's not very good basketball.
1: It's not very good basketball. At least the two of us. There's the some there's some there's a couple of decent guys.
2: The team that has won three of the six years we've done it didn't enter this year. So it's wide open. Wow. Like I said, we have 18, We have two full divisions of blogger or like friends of blogger teams. Mm, yeah. So one whole – I've set it up as Eastern and Western Conference. So like the championship right. will be like the blogger champion against like the reader champion. Oh,
1: that's unfortunate. Well, yeah. It's really East versus West. <laughs> yeah. But it's East versus West from like a couple years ago because there yeah. are six good teams in, in the blogger conference. I was going to say, yeah. Um, yeah, Yahoo put in a team that I was not a part of. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see. Anyway. Uh, the 905 game. So we can start there. So uh, the Raptors are getting finally a couple of guys back healthy. Uh, we could talk about the fact that Fred is apparently now out, at least for tonight's game, which we're recording before the Raptors play the Blazers. Um, Matt Thomas, uh, Malcolm Miller, and Stanley Johnson go down to the 905. And uh, they played Monday. And they played the Erie Bayhawks. We're they won. They good. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they looked pretty good, honestly. Josh but, Gray's really
2: good. They're, they're, they're their two-way New Orleans, two-way point guard.
1: Yeah. I mean, their three-point shooting looked pretty solid. But the I, Raptors made a big comeback. I mean, they were, it's basically a Raptor game. Like, that was actually pretty much the Nets game.
2: Nobody could shoot in the first quarter. Matt Thomas and Stanley Johnson looked like two guys who hadn't played real minutes in six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then they figured it out. Yeah. That was good.
1: Uh, you were down there. Uh, there's a heavy Raptor presence, not just 905, but also a lot of members from the big club.
2: Yeah. So Fred, it was Fred VanVleet bobblehead night, which I talked to him about a little bit before the game. And it was kind of, I think kind of weird for him because like Mm. he's had bobbleheads before, like back in Wichita and stuff like that. And obviously the championship bobbleheads, but this one like honoring him, even though he's only a four year player he said it like seems like he's retired or something Mm. Um, but he was like super positive there have been times over the years where like Pascal Fred and Norm bristle a little bit about like being asked about the 905 I think like when you're fresh from it you want to put it behind you and and you don't want that to be a part of your narrative necessarily but they all seem to really have embraced how much their stories are influencing other players like like Terrence Davis on draft night saying no I watched the Fred Van Vliet video I can do that I'm gonna bet on myself or even like Stanley Johnson who requested to go down there and when he he signed in july he was like well the raptors player development staff like everyone who comes in Mm -hmm. ends up better than than where they came in and like there are some counters to that of guys who weren't better off after they left but for the most part guys have been uh guys have turned that into success and fred and pascal are kind of the the avatars for that so it's cool to honor that and then pascal was out norma's out nick nurse most of the coaching staff terrence Mm -hmm. davis and Dewan hernandez yeah all sorts of guys were out
1: no, it's great. It's great. I mean, this is one of the benefits of having the G League team so close is that you can have this like really close integration. Like we get told at practice on Monday, "Hey, Matt Thomas is coming back. He's going to play in the nine of five tonight." And all of a sudden, it's like, "Well, actually, it turns out two more guys are going to join him." Uh, obviously, different cases. Matt is trying to get uh, some rest off. Stanley is also kind of trying to get some rest off, but yeah, I also felt he, like he wanted to get some run.
2: He did, but I think there was there was definitely an element of like those six to eight weeks where he was out with a stro- with a stress reaction in his groin. Yeah, that's such a touchy injury that like i think most of the work he did during that time was just like band work and like strengthening the muscles yeah. like, i don't think he got to play much ball at all and like he, when he left the arena like 20 minutes after the game he was still drenched so i think get, going down getting 35 minutes in is uh pretty healthy for these guys sometimes
1: yeah for sure um
2: and then malcolm miller i don't really know apparently he asked to go down like all three of them asked to go down yeah but he he doesn't have a choice anyway and Fair enough. when the team gets healthy he might see some time down there anyway he's a uh, if he's if he's on the roster. Um, yeah,
1: so Matt Thomas and Stanley Johnson. We'll start with Matt Thomas. Um, I thought he had the better game between the two of the guys. Uh, actually, if you look at it, Stanley, even though he shot like 2 of 12, I think, in the first half, yeah. he really turned it around. 6
2: of 12 in the second half and like some yeah. clutch free throws. Big dunk late. He came up with a steal and a dunk on like yeah. a clutch possession. The intensity level is what I appreciated most from him. Like, yeah, exactly. like he's not a great shooter and he does <laughs> have a little bit of that like, oh, I – I dropped 84 in an OVO game. I'm going to come down to the G League and drop 40. But, mm. like, once he figured it out and got his feet underneath him, I thought a lot more of that came in the flow of the offense. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his athlete. you mentioned it on the elevator up here, his athleticism just stands out so much yeah. at that level.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, O'Shea looked like freaking LeBron out there. Uh, and he might have stole the show. I mean, definitely, yeah, he, definitely different Nick Nurse.
2: Yeah, he probably looked the best of the all four Raptors that were down there. He had two huge putbacks in, down the stretch. Hit a mm-hmm. big corner three that he got fouled on. He didn't yep. convert to and one, but um, that's like tough shot. That's seven huge points down the stretch of a very close game. And yep. um, he's actually been he's been a weird case where he has a little bit of. Malcolm Miller two years ago in him where yep. he's looked much better with the Raptors than he's looked with the 905. Huh. The 905 he's come off the bench a little bit right you know his defense is like here and there and he's still because he's still just a play finisher on offense when he's asked to do more with the 905 it's not there the percentages aren't there mm-hmm. and then you get him in the Raptors and his role simplified and it's just go get a rebound and run in transition he looks awesome
1: yeah yeah no he I I should really think he stole the show there was one clip where O'Shea comes in for this massive two-handed dunk kind of out of nowhere And the camera pans over to Nick Nurse, and he's, like, flipping over his chair, basically. He was that excited. Uh, It was a great sight to see. I mean, Matt Thomas, uh, I just thought, like, he – more than one else. it was surprising because with a shooter, it's harder to um, come in. Obviously, there's no practice, and they're not familiar with the team. Probably doesn't even know most of the guys outside of training camp. Yeah, and,
2: like, they run some of the same stuff for Matt Morgan that the NBA team runs for Matt Thomas because they're similar off-ball players. But really, you're getting dropped in with a point guard who doesn't know you.
1: Yeah. And he was—I thought he did a pretty good job of looking for his own offense. Um, you know, occasionally handling the ball here or there, just creating. And I, I thought Matt looked pretty sharp.
2: Yeah, four assists, and I think three of them were attacking a closeout and making the next pass. Yeah, and the, the other one was just a transition hit ahead on a three he could have took. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, had ten rebounds, which he had. Sure. He was yeah. very surprised after the game when <laughs> when he was told he had ten rebounds. <laughs> Which is... Uh, it was pretty funny. But yeah, he looked he looked good, man. And obviously, the sh- he was 2 of 8 on threes, I think. Yeah. That'll that'll come. It, Ch- there was a he quote, missed like
1: this first couple.
2: Yeah, there was a quote that I used in my story on Matt Thomas' return last night at The Athletic that uh, 905 GM Chad Sanders said to me, basically, Matt, if Matt Thomas comes down here and shoots 0 of 10 for the 905 and then hits shots for the Raptors, well, yeah. then that's absolutely worth it. Yeah. Of so course. it doesn't really matter that he hit 2 of 8 or...
3: Yeah.
1: No, but I, I generally like the flow of it. I, I thought in terms of... His fitness and stuff like that for a guy who hadn't played in six weeks looked really good, and that's actually not that surprising because whenever you, you saw him practice and stuff like that, he was even though he was hurt be, because the injury was on his non-shooting hand and it was a fracture on the finger, he was able to do most of the most of everything to just keep up his fitness.
2: As I mistakenly tweeted at one point, he was doing rigorous one-handed workouts. <laughs> Oops, phrasing. Oh man. phrasing. That's tough, but it, it's true. Like he. I don't think he was catching passes at full force, like when right. when someone kicked the ball out, and mm-hmm. he obviously couldn't take contact. But so much of what his game is predicated on, he can at least you know replicate in a practice. Yeah. Setting. Obviously, the the speed of the NBA will probably be the biggest difference tonight when when he's back out there. Um, but luckily, you know Portland's maybe not the most stout defense anyway. So
1: yeah, there you go. Um, so he's going to play in tonight's game if you're listening somehow before the game starts. Uh, Stanley Johnson, we talked about it a little bit. I mean, he came out looking for his own shot, looked pretty much out of rhythm. It wasn't so much he was rusty. as like he was just kind of, he's like, oh, there's 10 seconds left. I have the ball on the perimeter. I'm going to shoot this three, and it's like, I, I don't know. It's not it's not his strength as a basketball player.
2: Yeah, there were a couple I don't know if you remember in the Miami game when he got minutes, Kyle found him for like a semi open corner three and he hesitated and yeah. then jab stepped for a contested three. Yeah. And that's what a couple of his plays in the nine oh five yeah. game reminded me of. Like it's okay that you take those shots, but you gotta take them right away. Yeah. You gotta you can't you know, like if you take that shot and it's a bad shot, well better it be a bad shot against a scramble defense than letting the defense reset yeah, yeah, yeah. and then 100%. having to chuck it.
1: yeah. And, you know, it it was very erratic for him in the first half. Uh, I don't know who was watching the game, so there wasn't a lot of commentary. But for me personally, I was like, this is unfortunate for him because I I thought it was actually a a good job by him to volunteer to go down there, Mm -hmm. get some run. uh, And then for him to, like, struggle that badly, it was just unfortunate. But then I was really happy for him because in the second half, he really turned it around. His athleticism really popped. Um, Really just, uh, like, getting offensive rebounds, stuff like that. And it's just stuff that. If he could do that at the big league level, and not even just, like, if he could be O'Shea Brissett, because they already have O'Shea Brissett, and they have Rondé, and they have a lot of hustle guys, really. But, if again, if you can kind of just come back to that core of just, like, if he can be a defender, if he can use his athleticism in a productive way, if he can hit an occasional shot, and maybe get to the rim, because he does have a nice handle a little bit. Yeah,
2: he has a better driving game than O'Shea or Rondé, yeah, and I don't right. know that you'd ever need that from that role, but, like, right. the bench unit can always use a little bit of that if it coming if it comes into sure. the flow. yeah. Like they missed that from Norm right now. Yeah. Although Norm, if he returns and Fred's still out, he's probably back to the starting lineup anyway. But
1: I was gonna say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Man, I've already picked up Norm on my fantasy team. There you go. My, my team needs him. My team is Upgraded banged up like the Delftal. Raptors. Upgraded to Delphal. That's yeah. That's one way to put it. Um. So you know, uh, overall, it was it was good to see just a lot of people out there. Um. Uh, you know, it was honestly good to see just a lot of people on the stream. Like, first off, people don't know. A lot of people might not know this. You can just watch the G League games like online. You just, yeah. Just click the box score, watch it.
2: Gleague. or yeah. Twitch or all sorts of stuff.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good experience. Um, commentary, I enjoyed. Yeah, Gareth yeah. and Amy are good. Yeah,
2: um, Akil was in full Akeel mode. That's great. There was a
1: lot of things to report on the sidelines. Yeah.
2: So yeah, Akeel loves those games. I'm sure he does. He's good at it.
1: I um, made fun of Fred a little bit about the hairline uh, on his uh, bobblehead, but
2: yeah, Fred yeah. was also not happy that his bobblehead looks a little gray. He looked a little Asian. I don't know. I thought he looked like Corey Joseph with a black eye. <laughs> well, I mean, do <laughs> you think there's any chance they just recycled the Corey Joseph default? Every time the Raptors do a bobblehead that isn't a great one, it reminds me of the Jose Calderon one where there was the commercial where he's like, Is this supposed to look like me? <laughs> no, there's there's some all-time bad uh, bobbleheads,
1: sports bobbleheads. Just look those up. It's, uh, there's a lot of them. Even the championship ones. like They made, uh, they made Kawhi look like R. Kelly from... 2005, which is unfortunate.
2: Yeah, that sucks.
1: Anyway, so the Raptors, they have a lot of injuries right now. Um, so the latest n- development being nor- or, uh, being Fred VanVleet um, picking up a small sort of injury at the end of the Nets game. Uh, I've seen, because of this, I've seen a lot of reaction of like uh, people being upset that Nick Nurse is playing their guys too much. How much of it is on Nick Nurse, if I had to ask you?
2: I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm pretty conservative when it comes to minutes load, and like, yeah, they were up ten with four minutes to go. But given how they'd played this week, I I understand that he wasn't comfortable mm. up ten with four minutes left. Right. Um, it's tough, man, because I don't know what the I don't know what the answer. Like, I don't know if you can tell a coach, and I don't know if you can tell Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet in a five point game in the second half. No, you yep. can't go back in. Like, we got to keep you right. at X number of minutes. And, like, minutes are one of the only things we have to measure, right? Like, we don't know if Fred and Kyle are getting days off. and Can't really
1: test their, like, load. Yeah. You know what I
2: mean? Now, I think that sometimes that's maybe used as not an excuse, but, like, as a cover for not providing information about what's actually going on. Um, Obviously, Kyle is a guy who's broke down late in seasons in the past. Nick Nurse has said as much that they like him in the 32 to 34 range in terms of him being ready in April. Um, Fred... I don't know if there's been a time where Fred hasn't had some sort of injury yeah. during his career. He wears, like, this Iron Man thing around his waist now before games to loosen up his back. And I'm So sure, he's really Kyle yeah, yeah. I'm sure his back is related to his hamstring. Sure, yeah. Um, all those things are. And he's got a jammed finger. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that you can put that much. Like, if they were getting these kind of minutes with a fully healthy roster and mm-hmm. a third point guard on the team, then, like, I would be more critical of it. Right. And I don't love it. But I understand. Like, game to game, there have been very few instances where... I'm like, oh, these guys got to get off the floor,
1: right, right.
2: So it's tough. He's not in a he's not in an easy position. Well, right? unless unless you just like make a rotation before the game, like in two K, and just stick to
1: it. Yeah, he's, well, I mean that's the thing, right? Which
2: isn't that realistic.
1: Um, this was the closest one where I'm like, maybe he could have gotten him out of the game, but also it was like such an innocuous play. It seemed like what aggravated it might have been Joe Harris was like there in transition and then Fred was just trying to like get around him so he can get throw the hit head pass. And he ended up doing that. Um but it, it's like one of those plays that like you could that could happen at any point in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh and it was just unfortunate that it happened towards the end. I, I just I sympathize with Nurse because like like what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? This is like a, just a comically bad year in terms of injuries. It's just really unfortunate. Yeah,
2: and like they're up ten against the Nets and it had been a good comeback, but like with four minutes left, if you take Kyle and Fred out mm-hmm. and surge, yeah, like Patrick McCaw and Terrence Davis are your two guards. Yep. Do you are you certain that you can hold on to a ten point lead no. over four minutes? And it would be
1: really deflating because they had made a great comeback to come back into that yeah. game. They were in control. Kyle was in the mood to like just yeah. pretty much that <laughs> uh, was spicy. He was, he, you know, some someone I've I read somewhere online. Um, they were talking about how oh, don't poke the bear. It felt very much like Kyle poked himself. Yeah, the bear poked himself because yeah. he put Jared Allen in a freaking armbar. Yeah, and then he's like, yeah, you guys hate me now. Well, fine, I'll go,
2: I'll go beat your team. <laughs> uh, he's such an interesting guy.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, Fred. I mean, so he's he's out for tonight against Portland. I mean, I would honest,
2: assume he misses both sides of the back to back. They have three days off coming up after that. Right. I don't know why you'd push it, even if. You know, it's it's Portland and Charlotte. They're not. Mm. Uh, Charlotte's a back-to-back on the road. It's not a gimme, but like, yeah. it's just not worth it if it's not a hundred percent. And yeah, I, don't know. I would be surprised if he plays before Sunday. Norm doubtful. I don't know. He's another guy. I'd be I would be a little surprised if he plays before sunday yeah. just because like they have three days off and not only is that three more days recovered they're this is their first window to have consecutive practice days in a really long time right so if you're trying to get norm up to speed but i don't know maybe the fred injury changes their thinking and, and norm's ready to go he was it did look like he did more than he had been a practice on monday the little part that we got to see right right um yeah well, it was nice to see because like i mean first off the, the raptors hadn't had a practice since
1: i guess uh December twenty sixth, I think maybe or twenty seventh, there was one right before this. They went to Boston. Right. Um. I, that one, I, I missed. I was with family. But uh, were you at that one? No, you weren't that one. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like they just haven't had a lot of practices. December was an extremely busy month for them. Um. They finally have some time off in the schedule, so it'd be nice. But yesterday we we got at least to see Pascal out there doing some light shooting. We saw. We Mark. know Mark is still alive. Mark is still alive. He was walking around uh quite briskly I, I gotta say maybe a little bit faster than he moves in the game <laughs> I don't want him to pull another hamstring walking but uh you know they're 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 around so that's nice to see and, and obviously Pascal
2: was at the 905 game last night DeJuan Hernandez was out of his walking boot at the 905 game nice we I, I, honestly it's all hands on deck yeah I DeJuan mean might like, to, like, <laughs> like that sounds like I'm not being serious but they he would have played over the last couple of weeks yeah
1: yeah so
2: um
1: yeah, it's just it, the only. I guess the only concern I really have is Kyle's playing. A, a, he's especially with the injuries. to Some of these other guys, he's really had to step up. I mean, like if you look at some of the wins here, um, that that Mavericks comeback. Obviously, it was a lot to do with Kyle Lowry. It was one of the finest quarters he's ever played in his career. You look at even the Indiana game. Right after that, Kyle was phenomenal in that Indiana game. They really should have just straight up lost that game in regulation. And Kyle really turns it on. And, honestly, he has a chance to uh, to put that game away in, at the end of the, the game there. But he was phenomenal in that one. Uh, you look at that Celtics game, the one that was uh, the revenge win, he was great in that one. And, uh, and most of these games here, I mean, b- they basically have needed Kyle to be phenomenal over the stretch, not only just to, like, hold the fort down, but just to win games because they, they haven't had these guys. And, you know, it, it's a bit concerning because you have Kyle 43 minutes against the Nets, it just it it scares you and and always when you watch Kyle there's always the question of like how
2: sustainable is it for Kyle to be doing this yeah and i feel like we've been asking it for his entire career
3: and yeah. the answer
1: is
2: usually he can yeah. but there are instances where he didn't
3: yeah
1: and that's what i'm afraid of right now but i mean again it's also a weird conversation to have because like what else are you going to do otherwise you're just going to punt these games
2: yeah i also do wonder how much because the washington series Two years into the run was so epically bad, and his back was in such rough shape then. Yeah. If that just like has an outsized impact on our perception. Cause like the only other time he's really missed a lot of time was hand stuff, and that's freak stuff. Yeah. Like the wrist thing, yeah, he probably shouldn't have played All Star weekend and golfed. Well, but that was always very weird that happened. Yeah. Like a couple of his things have been random, not like overuse injuries. And he's really like, I can't remember him having like a groin or a hamstring or a quad or anything like that. Yeah. He's so had like, a lot of hands, and, and like that Washington year was pre-Fit Lowry. That was maybe the back. End,
1: summer. Maybe the back has something to do with that. Yeah, although he, yeah, that was the year he told he, he told the story of him and uh, DeMar walking through a McDonald's McFlurries, late at night, baby. getting McFlurries. yeah. I wonder
2: if it was that one right there, Queen and Spadina. I really hope it wasn't. No, I'm sure it was somewhere like in the or something. <laughs> I don't know where these guys live, but I I can't imagine it was Queen and Spadina. <laughs> The <laughs> worst McDonald's in the city, probably. Oh,
1: my God. It's Especially now that they've shut down King and Dauphin. They shut that down? Yeah. Damn. The, yeah, they should have, though. Rest in peace. Yeah, seriously, the rest in peace. It is an iconic uh, spot. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only concern I have. But, I mean, a- again, it's... What are you going to do? What are you going to do, man?
2: You, like, the, tonight, Fred's out. Like yeah. Kyle's going to play 40 minutes, probably. Yep. And um, I don't know what the answer is, because if he plays, like, 32 or 34, they're probably going to lose. Yeah. So I don't, I know that the wins and losses don't really matter in the big picture, but like the two to six in the East is so tight and like the two seed could have a lot of value. Home court could have a lot of value. And then again, get to the all-star game. And then, yeah. And then it's back to the point of like, how do you not try to do everything to win a game once you're in the game? Yeah. It's, it's tough, but he's probably going to play 40 minutes tonight. He's probably going to play like 75 in this back-to-back.
1: And we're going to be thrilled when he wins. Yeah. And then just, you know, hold our breath during the whole thing. Um, Shifting topics here. It's kind of the start of trade season because we're getting rumors and stuff like that. A lot of players, I, I was at least a compared to last season, this year's trade market seems a little bit more active. There's a couple more guys being mentioned. Um, we can just run, run through some of these guys here.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because I do feel like there's more buzz than last year. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know that there's going to be as much get done. Just, like... So much is gonna depend on each conference, like the East is a six team conference. Yep. And the West is a seven team conference. But I don't know how much those teams on the fringe are gonna push to sell. Like like does Orlando sell with Jonathan Isaac out. Detroit's gonna sell, but they don't really have anything other than Drummond. Like Memphis is right there.
1: Yeah. And they just had a great win against uh Well that should they had a great win against Not just
2: the Clippers, but also Phoenix.
1: JV had an incredible game,
2: though. Yeah, he had three threes in the first quarter, I think.
1: It was nuts. He had, like, a 30-point game with, like, double-digit rebounds, like, five assists, like, three steals, like, two blocks, and a bunch of threes. I know this is intimate because I just lost that fantasy week (laughs) Uh, to JV, which, you know, I probably deserved it, to be honest. Um, But, yeah, I mean, so trade season. Drummond is – there was a report from Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo Sports that said that uh, in addition to Atlanta – which was the first team that was linked to Drummond. Um, but the Raptors, uh, the Mavericks, and I think one more team. Maybe Boston. the Celt- it's the Celtics? Yeah. yeah. Well, we know the Celtics aren't going to make a trade. Uh, but, uh, yeah, those three teams are also apparently linked to Drummond. To me, I found that a little surprising that the Raptors are on there. He mentioned that Lowry and Drummond are close, which I had never seen that. Even if they are? F- okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what are your thoughts on Drummond in general?
2: I I like Drummond as a player. I think mm-hmm. when like that tweet came out, the reaction went a little too far the other way to like we don't want Drummond and that's yeah. not a big enough upgrade and stuff. Like he's a good player. Drummond is the best rebounder in basketball. And if you're looking ahead to potential playoff series, I understand why teams who might run into Joel Embiid would check in on him. Right. I don't think the Raptors... Like, I, I can't see any scenario where Marcus All and an asset or Serge Ibaka and an asset for Drummond makes sense. Yep. For the Raptors, like, he's a free agent. And you're not going to want to have to pay him 25, 30 million and eat into your 2021 cap space. I don't think it's a meaningful enough upgrade for the rest of the season to attach like a real asset to it. Yeah. I mean, if it only costs you a second, I guess sure. But the Pistons shouldn't be doing that. No. So I don't know. It's like, like I would actually. It's weird. Drummond seems to me to be both underrated and overrated, where like people yeah. some people look at the stat line and it's like, okay, he's got a little bit of like big man Damar to him where yeah. there's a lot of stats and, and historically he doesn't drive winning a ton. He's
1: like a center of Westbrook.
2: But also like rebounding's really important. Yeah. He's, maybe maybe not at the individual level as much, but at the team level it is, and you can mm-hmm. You know, with as aggressive as some of the East teams like to be around the perimeter, yeah, you know, having a guy back there who can kind of man the fort even against an MB type on the glass yeah. makes sense to me. I just don't think it'll be the Raptors. I think we also run into this time of year because the Raptors leak so infrequently, yeah, yeah. and because it's so obvious when the Raptors are leaking, right? That like teams will just throw the Raptors into scenarios.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This doesn't seem like a, a rumor that came from the Raptors. Not that many rumors like to your point come from the Raptors. This seems like one of those like leverage players are like, Hey, it's not gonna be free for Atlanta. There's all these other teams
2: I want to get in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like look, Goodwill's embedded in Detroit, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. It probably came from the Detroit side. Probably. Which is fine. Yeah. It's their they have the right to float things like the Lakers and Kings have. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't put a ton of juice to it. Uh
1: let's briefly entertain the German thing. We can talk about maybe the positives and negatives of what some something like this could uh could could have on the Raptors. Again, I I think it's very unlikely as well to um, so your point, I think the, the positives of Drummond, I think, are a little bit obvious. I think um, the rebounding point, I mean, he's led the league in rebounds three of the last four, four years. Uh, or four of the last five years, sorry, in the last three years yeah. in, in, in consecutively. He's not just like defensive rebounding, which I think is probably a little bit overrated nowadays. But like offensive rebounding, it's, he's a real threat. And also, I, I think as a dive man. Raptors just don't have a lot of it right now. Like, Boucher's in there. Boucher, yeah. But Boucher is, like, so skinny. Serge is a short roll guy and Mark's a pop guy. Mark's a pass the ball back to the guard guy.
2: Yeah, I get that. Um, I would say, to your point about defensive rebounding, I know it's maybe a little overrated, but I think the fact that Drummond has spent the bulk of his time leading the league in rebounds in a dropback scheme. Yeah. Is like maybe helpful to a team that already employs a dropback scheme. Like, that's true. He's like that's one of the Raptors' biggest weaknesses with their dropback right now. Even though the dropback is supposed to be designed to help you on the glass a little bit, yeah. Um, you know, they're still a below, well below average defensive rebounding team. So yeah. um, it does paper over that strength. I just, I don't know. Like, you can't tell me an asset that's more than a second round pick. Yeah, that you would attach to Ibaka, and I would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense for Drummond. I agree. And but, I don't think Gasol would make sense.
1: No, I don't. I don't think Gasol would make sense. I actually think even even to the point of like having wanting a guy to match up with Embiid. Mm-hmm. Embiid and Drummond have had a long standing feud, and Drummond has been on the losing side of that. Yeah.
2: Now I do wonder if Masai could work that uh, that magic mm. of hey, remember when I said Jonas is better than you? Yeah. Well, now I believe you could be better than Embiid. <laughs> i don't know maybe a new situation would give him some confidence yep. but i i do think drummond's one of the more interesting names in terms of how it could like disrupt the league's pecking order like yeah, yeah sure. i don't really see a deal that makes sense with the contracts and stuff for boston like they yeah. probably have to send hayward out or multiple pieces yeah and i don't think they're gonna do either of those things but right. like he'd be an interesting fit there he
1: would be interesting in that team for sure especially because one of the things that i think has improved with drummond he's always had pretty good hands uh, but this year, it's on another level. I mean, he's averaging two steals a game, one point nine blocks per game. He's one of the league leaders in deflections. If Has not
2: free, th- th- free throw percentage gone back down though? After that like one year spike that
3: he
1: had, he's he's at sixty three percent this year, which is surprising. That's okay. a career high. Okay, he, he's he's improved from a thirty percent free throw shooter. That's not even slender. That's just straight up what he was at thirties to a sixty percent uh, free throw shooter two years, uh, three years ago, fifty nine last year, and now this year sixty three. Okay. So like bad, but like acceptably bad.
3: Yeah.
2: That you're probably not hacking him at a 1.25 expected points. Yeah. Maybe you are.
1: Well, maybe. Well, we'll see. In a con- I think it's a situational one. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think defensively it's just he's also not as good as, like, the numbers say. Like, like when you look at it, you're, you're almost had four combined steals and blocks, and he's leading the league in rebound. You're like, holy crap, he's a defensive monster. Yeah. He, he's not. Not at all. No. It's, and, and he kind look, of pouts like, a little bit, too.
2: To... Not to over defend him or like over project what he'd look like somewhere else. The fact that he's gotten dramatically better over the years—maybe dramatically is an overstatement—but the fact that he's gotten noticeably better over the years while in just a bad situation in Detroit, like maybe he could impact a good team yeah, a little differently. Sure. But also maybe it's just he's learned how to fill those stats. And yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I poor mean, poor Blake Griffin, man.
1: Poor Blake Griffin, man. He's he's had season-ending surgery now. Well, I mean, I guess it's not official that it's season-ending, but yes. I mean, come on, arthroscopic knee surgery and it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, You know, it's unfortunate. I mean, the Pistons as a whole, it's just really depressing, man.
2: I guess the one thing that gets interesting is like, and the Pistons absolutely shouldn't do this, but like if they're willing to eat money in a deal, then maybe it gets more interesting for some teams. Like maybe it opens up their market. Sure. But I don't think that that makes a lot of sense for them starting a rebuild.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of good with the Raptors passing on German, to be honest. I, I I I don't think it makes that much
2: sense. A couple other names on the market Kevin Love. He makes more than $30 million, I think close to $40 million in the summer of 2021. It's not... Yeah. I can't imagine how that would work out. You'd be punting on that entire free agent class. And I know that, like... Love is pretty good. I mean... He is pretty good. But, If you thought it made you a title contender, then you could find your way to it because you can always trade him again after or, you know, find other ways to make caps. Or if you, you know, miss out on 2021 free agency but it got you a title, then cool. Uh, I just don't know that. That's a lot of money left on that deal. Oh yeah,
1: and he's an injury-prone player, um, and
2: he just like hasn't tried for a couple of months.
1: The the videos of him showing contempt at work is phenomenal. It's hilarious. It it really is phenomenal. I I, I really admire him for doing it. It's on such a public stage. Um, Neither of us have ever witnessed that at a workplace. Yeah, yeah. We, we can make jokes about this afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I I don't think love makes a lot of sense. Uh, another guy in, in Cleveland, Tristan Thompson.
2: I mean, it's similar to Drummond. I think Thompson's a much better, like, legitimate defender.
1: Yeah, I, I think so, too. We've also seen Tristan do it at a really high level in the past. Yeah,
2: he's, he's more switchable. He's rangier. Um, he's nearly as good a rebounder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, you can mix up the coverages and stuff. I think... I think if the Raptors were to get him, they could, they would probably feel comfortable experimenting with those big, big lineups with him playing more power forward, um, okay. defensively. Like I just, I think they would. But again, we're back to what asset do you attach to mm-hmm. Ibaka or whoever that this makes sense? Right. It's like, are you giving up a first for that upgrade? Because I think,
1: I think reasonably, I think Cleveland should expect a first in return for. I think for so. Tristan, yeah. Like, like he's he's probably he the would best. Make perfect sense for Boston. Yeah,
2: he's probably the best big on a good deal that'll hit the market. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. I guess the issue with Boston this year is they just don't have a lot of tradable contracts. It's
2: Hayward. And Hay- Hay- basically, Hayward getting good again, Yeah, that was the one thing. Like, even when we looked at scenarios in the summer, if the mm-hmm. Raptors were to blow it up, I was like, well, okay, well, Boston might have a need for Gasol. Yeah. Maybe if they attach an asset to Hayward. Yeah. Well, now, there's no way they would do that. Like, Hayward's back to contributing Yeah, um, when he's not gaming. Also, fuck the Celtics. Yeah, uh, yeah not of course. Get, not,
1: not getting Gasol. Yeah, uh, yeah you're right. Uh, Tristan, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I would... If they were thinking of getting Drummond, I'd rather them try to get Tristan. To be honest, it's just like a lower I would number; agree with that. it makes a little bit more sense. And I think, honestly, it's just you can get most of the benefits of Andre Drummond. I think Tristan actually even has better touch around the rim than Drummond. Yeah, which, yeah, none of them have great touch. I gotta say. Plus, there's the local angle, which doesn't sure. hurt. Sure. Yeah, although Tristan, yeah, I mean, he's talked a lot of trash about Toronto. Let's be real. Sure, funny. but I he's, mean, everyone from that Cavs team has they. Yeah. They have honestly, the Cavs have absolute right the to talk trash about the Raptors. Yeah, they're going through them, you know, right now as we speak. Um, <clears throat> Bogdan Bogdanovich.
2: Yeah, I uh, I love Bogdanovich. Yeah. I would attach a first-round pick to Norman Powell to get him. That would be phenomenal. I don't think – I don't know, man. It's hard, to t- it's hard to make heads or tails of this Kuzma stuff. I'm not a big Kuzma fan. Yeah. So I don't know. It's hard for me to judge whether – like how Sacramento would judge certain offers if they really like Kuzma because, like – that's not it for me. I don't, I'm not a big Kuzma guy.
1: That didn't make him. That did not make a lot of sense for me. Yeah, especially when that first report came out, where it seemed very much from the Lakers side of like, oh,
2: they're gonna give us
1: Bogdanovich as a starting point and more. And then later on, it was like another report came in and was like, no, nah, no, 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 no. It will mostly kind of be. Uh, straight up one-for-one, one, or, or at least it, it would not be significantly more. Yeah. Um, but Bogdanovich being on the market is not surprising, I guess, because the Kings, this year, I think they've been a little bit under expectations. Last year, they were really in the playoff chase until the end, and they kind of faded. He's um, also an
2: RFA who a lot of people seem to think is like cool with going back to Europe if he doesn't get a good deal in the NBA. Because huh. like, he took a long time to come to the NBA he in did. the first place. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've seen a couple people speculate that like maybe that's why he has less of a market. Cause, right. They neg- he, you're not just negotiating against the NBA. You're negotiating against European yeah. teams. Who was it that did that last year? Someone went over there surprisingly Miritich. last year. Miritich, right. Yeah, he
1: went to Barcelona for, I think, like eight figures, which is surprising. That hasn't really happened that yeah. much. Now, there's money in Europe, but it's not like that much money.
2: Yeah, I mean, Nando DiColo's been making five, six mil for, for a long time.
1: Still restricted, baby. Yep. I I, I, my, one of my favorite things about uh, your Twitter account is once a year, we'll see the Raptors have... Uh, picked up the rights of yeah Nanodicolo.
2: yeah extend him a qualifying offer yep
1: there you go um but yeah Bogdanovich I mean it's, it's interesting Bogdanovich is a really nice piece I and mean, like I, I guess it really depends on whether you're gonna be willing to sign him to a long term deal yeah because he is a restricted free agent but,
2: but does it if you're under the Raptors case and that like Norm's had a really good season yeah and I like Norm yep but that player option in 2021 yeah. looms, and that's something that this summer we were looking at as poss- probably a negative asset. Okay. He's probably played his way to that being a neutral asset now, yeah, to where maybe so. you wouldn't need to attach draft pick to unload him. Yeah. But is a first-round pick enough for that upgrade, plus you get out of Norm's yeah. 2021 season? Like, maybe?
1: Maybe. It's kind of preemptive, I think. Um, yeah,
2: it's that move would surprise. It's not a very Maasai move, right, I don't yeah. think, but...
1: But Bogdanovich is nice as a player. I I kind of I talked about him uh, before the season. He would be a great fit. Um, They they
2: could really use another guy who can put the ball on the floor and get a bucket. And and he's an
1: elite shooter. Like especially not even just like the percentages. Like he's only at thirty eight percent, which is pretty good. But it's not like elite. But like when you you, also get better, easier looks in Toronto, probably. Yeah. No. And he's like as as a guy with with a wide open look. Bogdanovich is freaking money on that. Um, You can create a little bit. Clearly willing to come off the bench. If you're willing to come yeah. off the bench in Sacramento, you're probably willing to come off the bench in Toronto.
2: Yeah, I mean, also he might be a fit with the starting lineup if Norman yeah. were the outbound piece and then that lets you move Fred to the bench or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know, you've you'd have some options there.
1: He's got good size, too. Yeah. And maybe you have a little bit better leverage with Fred in free agency a little bit. Probably not.
2: Probably not. Yeah.
1: Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Bogdanovich would be nice, man. And plus, there's a huge Serbian population here in Toronto. So, yeah. I'm sure they'd uh, really support him.
2: The only – I don't know if you have that name on your list, but the only other one like Bogdanovich that I've thought about is John Hollinger threw out Evan Fournier for the Powell in a first package. Okay. And, like, Orlando's probably going to be more open to selling now that Isaac's yeah. going to miss so much time. I like Fournier. Yeah. I don't, know if, I don't know if Norm's played his way past that deal or what. Yeah,
1: I, I – there's something about Fournier where it's not as sexy as a guy like Bogdanovich, even just because it doesn't feel like Bogdanovich. It doesn't feel like Fournier has the kind of upside that Bogdanovich has. No, he's kind But Bogdanovich
2: is also like pretty old. Like he's yeah. not that much younger than Fournier. I think it's because Fournier is balding from both directions. Like Fournier looks like a guy who's bald and is also balding, which is really <laughs> tough to pull off. The diff- the big difference oh. between those two I think is if you got good intel that Fournier was uh-huh. going to pick up his player option for next year yeah. when you know the Raptors don't figure to be a cap team so long as they don't lose Fred anyway. Yeah. Uh well then you've got another you've got another piece for next year that comes off the books in 2021 and mm-hmm. maybe it's a little more interesting if you know he's going to opt in.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I should just look this up. Uh, Fournier is actually younger than Bogdanovich. There you go. That's, that's it's wild. It's the hair, man. That's it, all it it's is. just the hair, Bogdanovich. I mean, I guess also Bogdanovich only played three years in the NBA because yeah. he played so long with Fenerbahce and whatever. But uh, Fournier would be interesting. Um, there's something about it where I, I don't think Fournier as a playoff contributor is quite there. It reminds me almost like the Lou Williams thing.
2: Yeah. Can he get played off the floor? Yeah. And but is, also, is, if is, he's the fifth option instead of the number one or two option, yeah. does that look a lot different?
1: Probably. I think defensively, there's a bit of an issue there, yeah, as we mentioned. But
2: yeah, because he's not exactly huge or great. His nickname is really
1: on, on, on basketball reference really don't Google.
2: Don't, don't ever Google. Don't do it.
1: Don't do it. Don't do it. It's, one, it's not even one of those things we're,
2: we're trying to be cute. Like, don't do it. Uh, Kyle Kuzma. Nope. Just, just a hard no. I mean, what if they think they're going to get Bogdanovich plus assets for Kuzma, what could yeah. the Raptors possibly give up?
1: Yeah, fair enough. There's, there's, there's only room enough for uh, one, when he blunted his hair, it reminded me so much of when everyone blunted his hair. <laughs> anyway, we'll move past that. Shout out to Uh And then the last guy that I think is probably the most interesting, and it's been mentioned a couple of times, not as a report, just like as a, a deal that might make sense, is Gallinari.
2: Yeah. Who's Although expiring? Has Oklahoma City played past that where like they're gonna lock down a playoff spot in the east almost for sure and like mm. did they look at the chance to get shea playoff reps yeah as more valuable than what they would get back for gallo yeah that well, is they interesting played, they played pretty well without him too though so that's
1: what i'm trying to think about right because yeah. i think you can that's one of those situations where if you, i think the, they don't care about what seed they're getting into no I, they as know they in the first round yeah as long as they get into it and they can get like those like four or five games yeah it's not so bad um but Gallinari is interesting, man. I mean, he's he's always hurt, uh, but I think in terms of just fit, one of the reasons why a couple of these other guys we mentioned don't really work that well is just, like, it doesn't really make sense for a position of need. It's pretty clear where the Raptors have needs. They mm-hmm. they need a, a more offense from their small forward and maybe even power forward positions.
2: I mean, heck, with how beefy he's gotten, I think he's even played some spot five. Gallinari? I think so. I, yeah. I mean, I can definitely think of lineups that they've run out there where maybe he's logged as the four, but he's... right. It's a, f- a five-out situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's,
1: he's, he's injury-prone, but he's productive. Like, every single yeah. year, he's productive. Uh, the last couple of years here, especially since go- even getting back to 15, 16, he's missed a lot of games over that time. But uh, over the span of the last five seasons, he's averaged 18.7 points per game, shooting 39% from three. Draws a fair share of free throws as well, mm-hmm. six free throws a game. Which is over not, that a, stretch.
2: not a great strength for the Raptors. Yeah. It's improved since the start of the year, but it's still something that in the playoffs I could see being a weakness. Yeah. And this is where – the ref conspiracy.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm the guy to talk to the – yeah. no, I'm kidding.
2: Joe Cash would also be super happy with Gallinari coming Oh, he'd be thrilled, here. man. Yeah. Just taking him, t- him to make gravy in the garage.
1: No, we're going to see Gallinari at Sugo and stuff like that.
2: <laughs> uh, he'd make sense. I just don't know. Like, I think
1: there was something with like Ibaka and maybe a first. Yeah. Like a protected one.
2: You better be sure that Boucher is ready to handle playoff minutes, though. But it's here's like, the thing: you want Gasol playing 35 minutes in the playoffs.
1: Here's the thing: Pascal out center. There you go. Also an option, there especially you go. with Gallo playing a little bit more four.
2: Does yeah, it, yeah. OG at center, whatever. OG at he, center. He's the strongest guy on the team. I don't know. <laughs> he, I don't know why. It's like. It's so funny sometimes when like yeah. people have suggested like Pascal at center or stuff or like talked about the Raptors small ball lineups and like I know that OG has looked better when he's nominally the small forward yeah but like he's the strongest guy on the team and like other than Mark probably the best that like if someone's trying to put their shoulder into you like just standing you could totally play with OG like functionally the five for yeah. minutes here keep Pascal on the perimeter or whatever oh Pascal's a little springier at the rim.
1: You could do some stuff as well. One of the one of my hesitations with Pascal Center, and this is where to the point where OG can play a little bit there. So it's like
2: he's had to
1: he's had to carry such a heavy load offensively that Mm -hmm. you don't want him wasting his legs boxing out.
2: I don't know who it is,
1: Andre Drummond. Doesn't really make sense to me. No,
2: and the tough part too is like, sure he comes down with those defensive rebounds, and then he can run, he can Mm kickstart the transition game. But yeah, can he be your number one scorer at? 40 minutes a game if 10 of those minutes are banging like that. Yeah. Carl is interesting though. But this Um, is where zones come in too. Sure. The Raptors throw a bunch of those out there. Yeah. Although then Pascal's definitely not the center. He's usually the The point guard defensively. Yeah. He's all over the place. Him and Derek Jones Jr. are just mirror images in the zone. I
1: was going to say yeah. Uh, It was brought up I forgot. Oh I think Zach Lowe brought it up in his pod but it is interesting to see so many teams are in the NBA Adopt things that Nick Nurse has done, right? Because yeah. the most obvious example of this was Nick Nurse pulled that in just, I won't even say insane defense, but it was uh, incredibly aggressive defense against James Harden when the Rockers were here in Toronto. And the Raptors lost that game, whatever. It was close. But then on Christmas Day, I was watching that at home. For some reason, I had, you know, whatever. There was nothing else to do. And uh, me and my brother were just watching Rockets Warriors because that was, was on. And at first, we thought it was going to be a garbage game. But then I was like, man, the Warriors are defending James Harden exactly like the Raptors were.
3: Yeah. And
1: it's like teams that the NBA are really seeing what the Raptors are doing and copying that. I'm, yeah. I'm seeing boxing ones by other teams occasionally.
2: Yeah, and, like, the Raptors weren't. At the very top of zone usage last year, they were right. near the top. Miami was a heavy zone usage team, yeah. which Brooklyn. is not really surprising. Brooklyn. This year, Washington is using it way more than anyone because they can't defend man-to-man. <laughs> so why wouldn't you try it? Like, sure, they're they're yeah. using the zone three times as much as the... No, not three times as much. 33% more than the next highest team. Yeah. That's, 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 that's an
1: incredible stat. Wow.
2: Yeah. Um, it's a lot of zone. And they're pretty decent at it relative to like how bad they are... Defending normally. Worked against
1: the Celtics last night.
2: Yeah. Oh, Davis Bertans. Get him on the trade market, even though oh, they're yeah. saying he's part of the rebuild.
1: Yeah, that's that's classic leverage play right there. Oh, yeah. Um,
2: Man, is this going to be the first? Uh, I guess Gallo counts. I'm just going to say the first year that Raptors fans aren't lusty for a stretch four. But I guess if Gallo's name is going to be on the list.
1: I'm just saying Gallo will be interesting. Um, did Masai have Gallo in, in, in Denver?
2: Yeah, he was part of the Mellow return.
1: Right, 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 right. Anyway, I, I don't know. I, good in, trade. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Pretty damn good trade for your first NBA trade as a GM. Foretold many things to come. But anyway, I, I, out of all these guys that we mentioned in this list here, I would probably throw my name in just maybe the Gala one's the one that I'm closest to.
2: Yeah, Bogdan's the guy that I like the most on the list. Yeah. I just like – the Kings news that's out there right now is just so muddy that I don't know that like – like I'd trade Norman a first for Bogdanovich and right. like risk the RFA – because you get out of the deal and stuff anyway, True. but I don't know that that's enough for Sacramento. Like, I don't know if they like Norm enough, and if a low first in a bad draft is enough to sweeten it. Yeah,
1: so. and that's the problem when you're not dealing with rational actors. So
2: this is this is the hardest part about analyzing the trade deadline. Honestly, is like mm-hmm. we always try to come at these things from like a logical perspective and see both sides, but you can't assume that both sides are going to see things that, like I didn't think. Demar Derozan, Jakob Pertle on a first was enough for Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, and five million dollars. Yep, I didn't
1: think that was going to be close at all. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I can't get over the fact that San Antonio to throw in five extra million for that.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> that five million should go into, I think, Bobby and Masai, and just the whole front office. They should just split that five million somehow. That's that's just a coup. Um, and uh, so, moving past the trade deadline, we're going to talk about this great story that you wrote about Danielle Marshall. <laughs> uh, but first. Got to pay the bills. Uh, so, baseball has hot dogs, football has nachos. So, when does basketball get its official food? How about right now? Kentucky Fried Chicken, the official food of basketball. Think about it. Basketball players make buckets all the time. KFC makes buckets all the time. And theirs are filled with fried chicken, like famous original recipe or crispy popcorn chicken or even juicy tenders. So, that settles it. KFC, the official food of basketball. Order at kfc.ca and get it before tip off. So, Blake. Danya Marshall. First off...
2: A lot of buckets that game.
1: Yeah, 12 3s is that game. It's a legendary game for, for all Raptor fans. Uh, first off, what, why did you decide to do a whole oral history on Danya Marshall, of all people?
2: Um, part of the reason was... So, The Athletic, we do these things called blitzes where like they want a couple markets to do a story with a similar topic at the same time. Like when I did that Jordan Lloyd piece last Christmas, that was Mm -hmm. part of, we wanted like a big Christmas rollout for Christmas day games. Okay. Cool. Um, This one, it's the 40th anniversary season of the three point shot. Yeah. So they wanted some story ideas based around the history of the three. Yeah. Because it's also the Raptors 25th anniversary or 25th season. Mm -hmm. They've, been kind of nudging us to do some historical stuff, like the Q and A I did with Chuck Swirsky, or yeah, the yeah. look back at the Vince Carter trade. Right, um, you know stuff that I don't want to do too much of. But if the idea strikes, yeah. uh, so initially it got pitched to me like, do you want to do something on the Raptors three point record, like that streak? Oh that they yeah, had yeah, yeah, with like Derek Martin. Shout and out, everything.
1: Derek Martin, man. He almost got in in the fight to preserve
2: that. The issue with that is that it's now only like the eighth longest of all time. And the Raptors haven't missed, haven't not hit a three in a game since. Like that was the only game. Uh, So it's just like the NBA has outgrown that story. But I was like, you know what? One of my favorite games was when the Raptors were bad. Daniel Marshall canning 12 threes, like nine of them wide open. I was going to say, when you watch the highlights of this
1: one, which um, just independent of your story, I watched it like two weeks ago before this like it just struck me like how many times were they going to let him pick and pop open for three and it was covered extensively in your piece but uh, for, just before we even get into the quotes and everything like that just excellent reporting talked to a lot of people for it um, where were you when when this when this game happened?
2: I would have been probably in my dorm room in first year of university so yeah. um, my first year of university was the NHL lockout I had started to transition from being a hockey guy to like more of a basketball guy and like an all sports guy anyway right. so Hockey being off my entire freshman year, well, before we go out drinking, we're watching basketball games instead. I also, in my frosh week, someone knocked on my res door and was like, hey we lived here last year let me show you something and they opened up one of the ceiling tiles and they had cut the cable that went to the common room and spliced it (laughs) into their room so I got this room that had cable installed so I was the only person in the rest that had my own cable so I could watch every Raptors game like this was before League Pass really so I could watch every Raptors game on TV and like incredible i would like that's how i made like my first couple of friends at university was like watching basketball and like playing intramural basketball and stuff so um that's that sick. game was in march of that year so it would have been like yep. pre-exams and everything mm-hmm. um so yeah almost definitely in my dorm room
1: yeah I, a legal cable i also had a that's that's a phenomenal story that, that really is um yeah I, I remember watching this game explicitly it was just very but it, there's a there's a swish lay in a etobicoke I mean, there might be two, actually. There's two Swiss L.A.s in Etobicoke.
2: I imagine there's like there are like <laughs> 30 Swiss L.A.s in Etobicoke. <laughs> Every restaurant in Etobicoke is a Swiss L.A.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I was at the one that was uh, at Aurora York and Bloor with my parents, I think. It was very weird. We never go out to eat. Uh, but I remember this game was on, and the Raptors were winning. And Daniel Marshall was all these threes, especially after the first half. I think he had seven. And I told my parents, like, can we just stay at the restaurant so we watch the rest of the game? Because we didn't have cable. And my parents were like, yeah, whatever. So, like, we just sat at the restaurant the whole night and watched Daniel Marshall hit 12 threes. That's sweet. Yeah. It's,
2: Why I, wouldn't you? Seriously.
1: Um. Anyway, so, Daniel Marshall hits 12 threes. First off, this record's significant. First off, it's been broken since. Yes, a couple times. Steph hit 13. Yep. And then Clay hit 14.
2: Yeah, and Zach Levine has since hit 13 also. Obviously, that's not the record. Right. It's been top three. That times. was this
1: year, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was the one where he stole the ball and then he hit the game winner against uh, Charlotte. Incredible game winner, actually. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the issue, the the thing with this story that's so significant is not only as Raptors fans, but Daniel Marshall shared that record with Kobe. Kobe Mm -hmm. had the record for the longest time, and then Daniel joined him, and the two of them, this record stayed intact for a very, very long time. Yeah, over a decade. Yeah.
2: It's like, one of the things that Daniel says is, like, he he would get asked all the time. Basically, every time Steph got hot, he would get messages and be like, oh, Steph's gonna break your record. And, like, it would be, like, a running joke, kind of. Uh But, yeah, it was crazy that, like three-point shooting in the nba had exploded since then yep and no one had touched this yeah and like what's also crazy about it is and this is something he says too is that like we remember clay's 14 three-pointer game as like he took what like 11 dribbles or something like that Yeah, indiana yeah daniel marshall might not have taken that many and he only played 28 <laughs> minutes they were yeah. all just catch and shoot he came off the bench came off the bench for rafael Arujo. <laughs> Raptor basketball, baby. He definitely could have broken the record, but the Raptors went on a run at the start mm. of the third quarter. So yep. he didn't check back into the game until like the end of the third quarter. But the Raptors were on this like yep. thirty to ten run or something.
1: Yeah. So Hoffa stayed in. Hoffa. Oh man. That's a, this is a whole this whole thing is a huge blast from the past. That's why not I really get enjoyed Hoffa it. Hoffa for comment. I was gonna say, what's Hoffa doing? Um,
2: I tried to get a few other people for comment for the story. So I talked to Daniel Marshall, yep. Ray Alston, which was really cool. Yeah, uh, Milt Palacio, who's not dead.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much not dead. By the way, that was wild that he got reported that way.
2: Uh, Chuck Swirsky, Leo Routins, mm-hmm. and then Kyle Sam Mitchell, Co- Sam Mitchell, who yep. was the coach, and Kyle Corver, who was a member of the Sixers at that time. Uh, my counterpart, Eric yep. Game at the Athletic, uh, t- spoke to him oh, in Milwaukee nice. about it. Um, could not get Chris Webber, Jalen Rose, or Chris Bosh. Couldn't get the big names. Well, but, yeah. I don't think they would have many memories. Chris Weber probably has memories of that, but he probably just would have blamed other people for no. him getting 12 threes banged on him.
1: You don't want quotes from Chris Weber, man. I've, I've heard enough Chris Weber commentary for, for a lifetime. Uh, but yeah, so ex- excellent reporting. A couple of things really stood out to me from the um, from the story, actually, but two of them in particular. One, I think it was, I forgot who it was, but it, it's... It was – the quote was, Jim O'Brien, who was very big on giving up threes and not twos because of the per- shooting percentage. It was one of those things where it, it was continuously take away the two and give up the three because the shooting percentage to say that. And this is such like a time capsule because, I, again, people just didn't understand that threes were more yeah, than twos. Yeah, and
2: that – so that Yell is the one telling me that. Right, right, right. The idea basically was like getting a stop is the most important thing. So if you can force lower percentage shots and get the mm-hmm. rebound – that's the better way to play. And like Philly was kind of a grinded out team in the like post-Iverson MVP era. But yeah, it's crazy. And then like on the other side, Sam Mitchell, that was the year he wanted the team to get up 100 shots every game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Infamously. And like, the way that that team played stylistically was ahead of its time. They were third in the league in three point attempts. Yeah, shot a high percentage
3: too. Yeah, yeah,
2: they were like a really modern offense. Mm-hmm. But Sam Mitchell was basically like, no, that like that had nothing to do with analytics or three is more than two. Like, yeah. it was entirely they had nobody who could drive the ball. Like their only interior offense was Rafer and Chris Bosh pick and rolls. Yep. So like they had like they had Bonner and Pete and Danielle and those guys to space out. Mm-hmm. So that's how they built the offense. It wasn't like this. Uh, this analytic move, it was just, yeah. we don't have anyone who could score inside the line, so let's <laughs> get enough. him up. No, fair enough. But it, it was also just like, um, I just think
1: that like you would never hear a team ever say that nowadays. No. Never. But it was just very much a sign of the times. Like, yeah. That was really the, the, the style of thinking then. It wasn't even that con- that controversial. Um, you mentioned throughout the piece that, like, first off, just so many of these shots were open. It's so many. It's not like the, it wasn't even like a Clay Thompson situation where when Clay gets hot. First off, even when Clay's not hot, people are defending him. But when Clay gets really hot, then they run him through all these screens and like all these like quick actions and guys hitting tough shots. None of that happened.
2: No, it they would run a pop. pick and roll in the center of the floor, and Danielle would fade to the corner. That's basically it.
1: Yeah, and you even had a quote there uh, where it was Mil Palacio would run pick and roll, and two guys that were like
2: two guys would go with mil palacio because the, the 76ers race. wouldn't change their defense it's like this is how we play this is how we defend the pick and roll so mil palacio is getting two bodies on him and picking out wide open Daniel marshall it's insane yeah. i really wish i'd been able to get video of the entire game instead of just the youtube highlights yeah. and stuff but like it wouldn't load synergy goes back that far but i tried like four times and it wouldn't load for me okay and then uh the raptors weren't able to like hook up uh, an old copy or anything like that so word but it would have been fu- it, like because I what I wanted to do was look at possessions where he didn't get a shot and did Philly yeah. actually do anything to stop him yep. or was it just you know nineteen threes is the most Daniel Marshall can take?
1: Yeah, uh, and also the shot chart looks really funny. Like again, it wouldn't be
2: that out of uh, out of uh, the ordinary now. Oh, his, his now. one for the whole year?
1: No, no, just his shot chart in this game. Mm. But I mean, we can talk about the one for the whole year. I, I it's don't crazy.
2: He, he hit forty one point six percent of his threes. I think on yeah. almost six attempts a game. Yeah, as like a bench big. It's it's actually an incredible – like, first, he was incredibly efficient. You know whose numbers those are really close to? Who? Danilo Gallinari's. There you go. He I mean. was one of the player comps I used in the piece. i like, yeah, this is a modern shot profile of, like, Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. And, you know, um, in, in this game,
1: obviously, he shot up a whole bunch of them per minute. He only has one make, I think, right at the rim. Yeah. Maybe he probably slipped to the rim one time. Yeah, probably. you know, who knows. But, yeah, it was uh, – that quote really set out to me from Jim O'Brien, just his strategy and his thinking there. It's just so outdated. <laughs> Uh, and that's also just hilarious. I can't believe people didn't f- figure out that three was more than two. And then also from for Alston, uh, if he was on Daniel Marshall, if he was playing right now, he'd probably be a 180 to $200 million man. At the time, it was unheard of. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree with that.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That might be a little high. Yeah. And, but like he was making like six, seven million a year at the time.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. He was coming off the bench for freaking Hoffa Arujo.
2: Like, yeah. it just people didn't really. But understand like that and appreciate level, how useful he was. Yeah, that level of three point volume and offensive rebounding from a big. Now, like you probably be looking at fifteen million a year. Yeah. Like I don't know if he's getting a two hundred million dollar deal. Like I don't think he's no. getting the Kevin Love deal. No. But he's getting like that's a really valuable asset. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. could maybe even I don't know six threes a game at forty one point six percent. You could play the four or five and yeah. be pretty good rebounding. Like you could probably sniff twenty million. Probably, I probably, mean, Don- probably
1: fifteen is more realistic. But that th- that's the only thing with Danielle is that like uh, just for his career, he was he went all over the place. He played for a lot of different teams. just yeah. n- the numbers are up and down. But like honestly, even the year before that, before the three point record, the two thousand three two thousand four season, which whatever, kind of a write off for the Raptors. Averaged 16 points per game, almost 11 rebounds, you know, got over a steal over a block a game, shot a bunch of threes. It's phenomenal. Yeah. it's probably
2: one of the best players on the team. Yeah. He was was great. He was also an awesome player to have on your team in NBA Live.
3: Yeah? Yeah.
2: There you go. Threes. I figured out early, man. I, I'm not very you were good smart at I'm not it. very good at this game and the, the computer AI leaves you open for threes more than like if you drive to the rim it's gonna be like it's gonna glitch yeah and like the ball will fly or your guy'll go through another guy or something. So just run that yeah. pick and pop, man. That's a
1: that's that's a fun story that someone should write. Especially someone that's played a lot of Raptors video games or just like, like who the NBA. best
2: Raptors video game players The most
1: unexpected like great Raptors video game guys are
2: cuz I, I got to put in Terrence Ross 2K15. Yeah, Terrence he Ross He was
1: sensational yeah. in 2K15.
2: Really like depending on how like how realistic you run your offense in a video game, like a guy who hits threes and can dunk is yeah. really all you need. That's it. I used to feel J.R. Smith with, is the perfect 2K see, player. I was going to say Seattle SuperSonics Richard Lewis. Oh my god, yeah. Was the first 3 and D kind of slasher guy when he still had bounce. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I remember playing as the Sonics with, like, Nick Collison and, like, <laughs> right, right. just, like, yam on people with Rashard Lewis. Yeah. This is just drive out of the corner. So there you
1: go. I mean, read this Daniel Marshall story. I mean, read everything Blake writes. But it's I think this one, it was just – especially if you're uh, not even, like, an old Raptors fan because I don't really consider myself an old Raptors fan. But if you watch the Raptors for more than just, like, this recent decade where they've been phenomenal – uh it, it's just a, it's just a nice like time capsule and it's also just a legendary game like Daniel Marshall's always been a Raptor legend for this. What's what's Daniel doing nowadays? He's
2: coaching at like Central Connecticut um uh, basketball. Okay. I forget the exact team name, but Central Connecticut or Connecticut something. That's I cool. should know that. That's cool. Sorry.
1: No, sorry, right, man. Um so I mean, you know, shout out Daniel Marshall. He's not even that old, 46 years old. Yeah. Why did, why does he come back to Toronto once in a while? I don't know. Yeah. Probably
2: cuz he's coaching at some Connecticut school. I guess so. They can't all be uh
1: can't Mo, all be JYD. It can't all be JYD or Mo Pete. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So, anyway, Blake, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah,
2: thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, glad we
1: were able to do this. Read all of his work at The Athletic. Anything else you want to plug? No. You got a new podcast coming out? Me? Yeah, about music.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's already out. It's I been know. out for a couple months called Columbia House Party. Um, we're recording one this weekend with a special guest, which will offer some Raptors crossover. It's not a Raptor, it's just Alex Wong um wow but that won't be over we're like st- what are you guys gonna talk about with alex lil wayne Carter three ah i'm not supposed to give those away ahead of time but well i can't i can't imagine there's a huge overlap audience in our brand new infant uh music podcast and the raptors over everything podcast
1: maybe well check it out it's maybe been, we're signing something right here it's been fun it's not uh yeah.
2: it was very funny to do i don't know if you saw in new year's i like did the raptors mixtape like I, I asked every player what their favorite albums of the year were that was cool yeah i was i was mostly just happy that like I had heard of most of what yeah. the guys said. There were a couple that I hadn't. Were there any big surprises from you for the Raptors? Uh, I, well, I mean, I don't know. Fred being a big R&B guy.
1: That makes sense to me, though. Yeah, I, he, I didn't think of it. School. It makes, way, it makes yeah. a lot of sense now. And he's booed up.
2: when he told me, I was like, that's That's unexpected. Because yeah. like, I thought he would like put on for like the Chicago rap.
1: Sure, yeah, yeah. Maybe and, Mick Jenkins. <laughs> I love Mick Jenkins. Man. Yeah. Big uh, crit or whoever and
2: sure, it was just yeah. not. It was almost all straight R and B and like he put me on to uh, burna boy like Serge's Okay yeah Surge's favorite African artist. That makes sense. I yeah. was not sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. It was
1: either it was either OG or Serge that put Burna Boy Yeah. On there. OG was
2: the best person to talk to for that. I imagine he has very eclectic music taste. He's mostly hip-hop. He just, like, has strong takes, and, like, he has a great recall. Like Okay. he So he put so much fun at number one, and the mm. rest of the – a couple of the other rappers were basically, like, you can't talk to OG about Young Thug. Like, if he says it's yeah, the number yeah, yeah. one album of the year, it's the number one album of the year. He does seem to stand. Like, Patrick McCod like, diverted to him. He was like, no, if if OG says it, then that's number one. Okay. Uh, but they'll argue about, like, Travis Scott album rankings oh, yeah, yeah, or, like, course, Young Thug album rankings or whatever, and OG gets, like, super engaged. It's – uh. Yeah, the next time you need him for something, just get him talking about music.
1: That's that's amazing. Yeah, Um, I I did ask him what his go-to karaoke song was uh, on Media Day, and he said "Something" by Young Thug. Yeah, so that uh, would be hard to do well at
2: karaoke. I I
1: was gonna say, uh, rapping at karaoke is just tough. But also, my most recent memory of this is Alex doing uh, "On Time." Always on time with yeah. uh, Ja Rule and, and J-Lo. I was J-Lo. Did you do, I
2: was going to ask, you. Yeah. yeah, I was J-Lo, yeah. which was much easier. J-Lo's versus Iconic, but th- – I'm a white guy in my 30s, so yeah. I have seen far too many people do Forgot About Dre. Oh, uh, yeah. The uh, only I, rapper as any white guy can do. I thought you were going to say Lose Yourself. Yeah, probably, probably that too. Probably seen that one as yeah. well. So,
1: yeah, listen to your new podcast, Mike. Yeah. Seriously, it's uh, – Columbia it's, House Party is what it's called. Yeah, there you go.
3: Thanks, um, well.
1: Yeah. So uh, as for everything else um, – rate review subscribe to the raptors everything podcast especially on itunes it definitely helps uh just surface the podcast and get more people introduced to uh, what we're doing over here big thanks to KFC for sponsoring the show and i'll be back next week with another episode